This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This is Series 1, Episode 101. My July 4th week in Columbus, Ohio. This podcast is brought to you by Ayobayo.com. This is a local purveyor of South African-styled dried meats. And I brought some of Vion's spicy biltong down to the pool recently and everyone commented that it wasn't spicy enough so i sent vion an email and said hey dude what's going on people are commenting at the pool that it could be spicier this is the kind of customer service you get from a local small business owner and especially one that helps support someone like me another small business owner vion's response was that most americans are used to american style jerky which is Lousy meat that is overly seasoned with sugars and heat spices to mask the nastiness of the beef. His method of air curing the biltong is to use high-end meat with minimal spices to allow you to taste the beef while also getting some of the seasoning. And I thought that was pretty cool. He said he might actually play with the recipe a bit to satisfy the tastes of the community here in Rutherford, Fairfax. I'm hoping Vion can make it out to Beer Tie tonight. And if you want to follow him on social media, it's A-Y-O-B-A-Y-O, Ayobayo. The next podcast is going to be from yesterday's trip down to Sapitus Farms for Oysters. And following that, if all things go as planned this evening, I'm going to interview Misty Dillon about fly fishing in the Himalayas. So enjoy this podcast. This is my annual summer trip to Columbus, Ohio, brought to you by Ayobayo. Greetings from Bexley, Ohio. I am driving down Cassidy, 
on my way to go fish a stretch of the Olentangy. If you've never tuned in to this podcast before, let me fill you in about what's going on and why I'm in Columbus and not in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. My wife grew up in this idyllic little suburb called Bexley, Ohio. She just went for a run on her old stomping grounds, and I am headed to the water. So She grew up here. They immigrated from the Soviet Union in the 70s. And it's still mostly all Russian in her house. There's not much English spoken. The culture is still very Russian. The cuisine, the drinks, the conversations. Mostly Russian friends from the local community coming and going. So I have always just been a little left out because of the language barrier. Now, I've tried to learn it. I know the bad words. I can follow a conversation. But sometimes I just need to get out and nobody will even notice that I'm gone because I'm the only, I don't know what the term is for a gringo in Russian, but I'm the gringo. A couple years ago, I met Mike Dokito on Instagram. He's at Red Spot Fly. He doesn't post much anymore. And we decided to go fish a stretch of the Olentangy River and he showed me where there are carp and buffalo. And in addition, he showed me a fly he developed for fishing that river. He calls it the Cree Bug. I've done some YouTube tutorials on it. You can look up the Cree Bug on Instagram. And I taught it about two months ago at the title Potomac Fly Rotters Beer Tie. I've got, ooh, I don't know how many, 10 to 15 of them with me. I've got some John Montana hybrid carp flies, some eggs and some damsels and some of my head nymphs in charge, also known as the HNIC. That's going to be my carp box for the next three days. I'm going to try and meet up with cousin Caleb, and we're going to do some fishing. He lives a little bit south of town, so I'm not sure when he's going to meet me today, but I am prepared to go sight cast on the Olentangy for some carp. I'm hoping the water is low and clear as it was last year. There was a thunderstorm here a couple days ago. Last year was carp fishing like I'd I'd never experienced. Crystal clear water across the entire stream. I could climb up on bridges and see where the fish were and then go back down. It was absolutely amazing fishing. And after watching a couple of John Montana carp videos, I noticed he uses a little strike indicator out of the water. So I brought my New Zealand wool strike indicator kit, which I've had for about three years now. I've just never used it. I'm going to try that because I can't tell when some of these carp suck in my fly. The Cree bugs match the river bottom here. And it's very difficult for me to know when to set the hook. We're going to move down river at some point. I don't know if it's the same river because one of the guys who came out to a beer tie several months ago showed me some spots on Google Maps out here where I could catch some freshwater drum. I've never seen one of those before. Caleb said they're disgusting and slimy. There's also just gar in the streams here. And I'm used to gar that come up from the Chesapeake Bay to spawn in the DC waters in spring. But I've never targeted them here. So that's basically what we're going to do in between parties with the Russians. Last night was the street festival outside their house where they just blocked off the road and there were big potlucks and the kids were playing and the adults were hanging out. All right, I'm on, uh, I don't know what road I'm on now, but I can now see the skyline of the city. And I will get to the river and break down my gear, what I decided to do for packing. And this should be a pretty awesome day. It's 79 degrees at 9.40 in the morning. It's a bluebird day. Humid as all get out. So I'm about to plow through some uh, can of Coke. I've got an ice cold bottle of water, my Nalgene for later. And if all goes well, I'm going to get myself a nice greasy lunch afterwards. Try and find some food I can't get back home. That could be White Castle or it could be something else. We don't know at this point, but that's the whole point of these podcasts and vacations is just to make things up as you go. 
Well, I'm here. Let's talk about disappointment. It's, uh, it's blown out. There's zero visibility. And I got to rethink what I'm going to do today. Wow. So I was here at Christmas time looking for carp. And same thing happened. All the tangies completely blown out. There's some egrets down here, some blue herons. Where I parked, there was half of a Canada goose that had gotten hit. I think I am now gonna have to drive up to Alum Creek and fish the tailwater. This is uh, this is very disappointing. Whoo! Well. I don't know what else to do. You can't really get too pissed, but it seems like every time I come to Columbus, there's always a massive thunderstorm right before I arrive that ruins everything. Damn. I'm a little upset, but I'm going to roll with it. Can't let it get me down. There's always somewhere else to fish. All right, it's 10.30. I'm at the tailwater. For those of you that don't know, tailwater is a... Body water that comes out of the base or top of a lake or reservoir, dam. And it, if it's a bottom release, the water is the temperature and clarity of the bottom of the body water above. So right now, being a non-top water release, this water's clear and flowing. And I'm going to gear up. Now last year I wore flip-flops on Olentangy and cut my feet up pretty badly. So I've got wellies today. But I don't think I'm going to put them on just yet. There's a sidewalk along here. If I decide to go bushwhacking, I'll come back. I've got my brand new Orvis luggage for rods. It's the large size that carries switch rods. And in it, I've got uh, sunscreen, some SPF 30. I've got three rods, sort of mixed and matched. I've got a nine foot six weight. I have a nine and a half foot six weight, and I have an 11 foot seven inch eight weight. My reels are eight weight line, eight weight, and a six weight clear floating line. That's what I was going to use for carp. And in the other compartments, I have my Risen Fly double sided silicon fly box that has all my carp flies in it. I have the New Zealand strike indicator. So what is it? Just indicator.com. And then over here, I've got an Altoids container with business cards. I've got some Loon BioStrike, if I don't use the other one. Pipe cleaners for wrapping my rods. And then I've got a bunch of TPFR stickers just to uh, maybe put out and about. I've got my sling pack here. That's got my lanyard in it. And my lanyard, if you're so curious as to what it holds, I've got hemostat with scissor and clamp on it. I have a nail clipper without the lever, several strike indicators, a magnet with a variety of flies on it. I've got a bunch of clip swivel things with some flies dangling, a small magnet, and a hook file. I think I'm going to put together the eight weight and walk on down to the water and see what I can find. Now for this water, you're just like, well, if you only brought carp flies, what are you doing, homie? I've got my Cliff's Bugger Beast here. And inside that, I've got scorpion bugs, herring flies, uh, natural and synthetic clousers. I've got some snow white dragonflies, about a dozen and a half of circus peanuts, snallygaster worms, curly tails. I've got the Pat Cohen critter mite, gutless frogs, and a couple of old like mangrove flies in here. So I, I think I can cover the gamut of what I might run into today. And on the drive up here, Caleb sent me his. Google drop pin for a low head dam. So I'm going to go check that out as well. So enough talking to y'all. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go fishing. 
The Alum Creek Spillway was a complete bust. However, I was able to cross something off my bucket list. If you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you would know what it is when I tell you. So let me break it down while I'm driving to a low head dam. I get here and the clouds are starting to roll in. It's getting breezy. I put together my eight weight, string it up, and I put on my orange and red take on the circus peanuts, the same one that we've been catching some fish on the last couple of weeks. And I'm walking the seawall sort of cement sidewalk along the water and there's gizzard shad everywhere, little gizzard shad. So now I finally understand when I tell people we're going shad fishing and they laugh at us and say, what do you mean you're going shad fishing? Those are little fish. I now see the bait fish sized shad. Not much is going on. There's a bunch of people there. The water's fairly clear to three to four feet deep. Nothing really but gizzard shad swimming around. I see one guy with a fly rod. He caught a couple bluegill up top near the spillway. He's about to jump in and go wet weighty to the far side. So I watch him do that and he's hooking up with little bluegill. He tells me to go downstream and try for some carp below the road bridge where I pulled off of. So I eventually break off the circus peanut, head back to the car, tie on sort of a orangey pumpkin brown colored circus peanut, move downstream. It's super fishy. It's just a stream that's got a lot of vegetation, overhanging vegetation, aquatic vegetation. It looks really fishy. The water's just roaring through there. And I started throwing out casts to some crazy, crazy fishy spots and absolutely no love. I go down a little further and I switch to my gutless frog in yellow, start stripping that around and get a couple of bluegill takes and nothing. Put the circus peanut back on, go upstream, and I have two largemouth fighting over it. I miss the hook set. Those fish, they're about... 10 to 12 inches, no further interest in what I offer. So I move upstream and it gets weedy again. So I put the frog on and then about two casts into this large pool's tail out, a rather large fish, maybe three pounds comes up and smacks it. It looked a little too thin and elongate to be a large mouth. Maybe it could have been a small mouth, maybe a small musky. I don't know. Whatever it was, I lost it. Just didn't hook it properly no hook set in time i go up and around i fish that hole from the top where the riffles are feeding into the big hole and put on a snallygaster with a skirt and tail and nothing so i decide to go around this building that's barbed wired off and i'm going to go fish where i lost that other fish from the other side and i ended up having to bushwhack through there's not too many places or times I can say this, I walked through a field of Clitoria. It's the genus of a flower. And then I got to the edge of the field and it was all thistles and they tore me up. I'm wearing long sleeves and long pants and wellies and I'm all shredded. I bushwhack through those woods and finally get to the edge of the water and that fish is not to be found. So I basically call it, headed back up to my car. I've got to cross a bridge under construction instead of going through the water. So I'm kind of wet waiting, just not deep enough to fill up my wellies. I'm on top of the bridge and I start seeing some massive carp feeding. They're mudding around, making big pluffs of mud. And I put on a Cree bug and climb down and start casting. But once you get down to the level of the water, all that overhead visibility is gone. So I said, screw it can't catch them I'm gonna go walk back to the car and head to the next spot and as I'm walking up I bump into two guys setting up their spin gear and they're like look there's a four pound smallmouth and I look down right in front of us this thing was massive I mean absolutely massive so I tie on a chartreuse and black reaper and start fishing that area with no love start seeing some other fish I don't know if they're walleye or some kind of sucker I just see these sets of peck fins sticking out. So I tie on the dropper fly. I go with a, hey there, woodchuck on the side of the road. 
put on the damsel about two and a half feet below it and I'm fishing back and forth nothing all right I screw it I'm done as I'm walking up to my car right here my man and I look up and the dude in front of me is pointing in the water he goes what is that and to me the first thing I thought of was it looked like a giant mantis shrimp about 10 inches long floating on the surface and I'm like dude I don't know so I start casting at it trying to bring it over and I'm like, dude, that thing's got legs. Four of them. Maybe it's some kind of salamander. So I finally cast for a couple of minutes, just laying line over and dragging it across and lightly hook it with my damsel. I bring it over, reach in and grab it. I'll be damned. I'm pretty sure this thing's a hellbender. Cryptobrachis alleghaniensis. The one giant salamander I have never, ever, ever seen in the wild. I'm not sure if this is what it is. I haven't confirmed it yet with cousin Caleb, but I took plenty of pictures, short video. It started drying out, so I put it back in the water and it continued to float. Its gills were undulating in the water. I don't know what was wrong with it. I know sometimes when a turtle has to fart, they float butt up. Maybe this salamander just had a fart or he's just dying. So I put it back in, strung up my hooks and I'm back in the car. Didn't land anything. Can't really say I got anything more than the bite from that one large fish. And I'm going to go check out this low water dam. And then I'm going to head over to Earth Fair, which I usually do when I'm up here. I'm going to get myself an ice cold iced tea and pick up some kombucha for the wife. And then I'm just going to head back into Bexley after maybe I get some tacos. I think of tacos now over Greece. But we'll see how that plays out. So I've got the seven and a half... 7 foot 11 inch 8 weight in the back it's strung up with the reaper and I'm going to see if maybe I could pull something out of below this dam well the low head dam was about 4 miles downstream from the reservoir parking and it's blown out down here the water's not high it's just very chalky milky sediment filled a lot of particulate in the water. I worked the reaper rig around the dam section, nothing. And then I put on the frog and tossed that around below the dam and nothing. So I went downstream of the dam, did a little casting, found a really nice overhanging cut bank with branches and did a sidearm bounce cast and got the frog under there and I went down that stretch about 10-15 feet and got nothing but guessing bluegills little sunfish hitting it go down again and another about 30 feet I take a nice wipe out in the mud so I'm a little dirty and I decide to put on a clouser I take out one of my light blue and gray ones with flash in between size four hook and on my first cast I catch a green sunfish and the fly was almost as long as the fish got a couple pictures threw it back in couple more casts and I lost my clouser so I called it I'm done for the morning it's 12:44. I'm going to get a cold iced tea and I was planning on also stopping by Mad River Outfitters today however they are closed on Sundays so I sent them a tweet asking if they have any idea when the water levels around town might be low and clear enough to fish again. Now here's a pond right here and there's a dude fishing. It's like a golf course. I'm kind of tempted to... You know what? Let's pull over here. Let's see what's in the water. That dude's releasing a fish as we speak. This is just like Florida, both out the gators. I'm a little intrigued. This is what happens when you just, you know, make it up as you go. I'm uh, Country Line Road West right now. I don't know what this is, but yeah, let's go try it. Why not? Life is short. Fish when you can. Have no regrets. I don't know what the guy's doing. Actually, he's trying to grab something with an umbrella. The hook handle of an umbrella is what this person is reaching in with. So maybe it's not a fish. Let's see if we can go get their story. That place kind of sucked unless you are going for bluegill. The water had that turquoise dyed color to it. There were plenty of bluegill 
nests along the edge, but I saw nothing. I got one bite on the frog right off the bat. Couldn't find anything else. There was a guy fishing with a lunker hunt frog. He said he lost something big the other night, but not sure what. And the woman with the umbrella was pulling plastic bags out. So I thanked her for her work. She said after months of no one else doing it, she took it upon herself to clean it out. So I walked maybe a third around and decided to commit to fishing the rest of it. When then I realized the fishing sucks. So I just kept walking and I would cast every now and then, but gave up and walked back to the car. So I am headed to get a cold iced tea right now. If I see some more ponds, because you know, people like us, when you're driving around and you got fishing gear in the car and you see a fishy spot, you got to try it. Going over Alum Creek again, let's see how clear it is up here. Off color, but almost fishable. So maybe by July 4th, the last day of my license, I might be able to get out and do some fishing. We'll see how that goes. So I am pretty much signing off for today, July 2nd, unless I come across another body of fishable water. I'm going to re-record this portion in case the last one got ruined by the noise. We are out here in Bexley, suburb of Columbus, intersection of Powell Avenue and Roosevelt Avenue on July 4th for the Bexley Parade. The old-time bicycle guys just went by, a bunch of really cool cars, an immaculate FJ40 just drove by that was every outdoor person's dream car. And yesterday, the third was mostly uneventful. The Olentangy is dropping but not clear yet. So I've been watching the water monitors. The water levels on River Boss. So it looks like today we're going to go south of town. I'm going to meet up with Cousin Caleb. Cousin Caleb informed me I did not catch a hellbender the other day. In fact, it was a mud puppy. And the reason it was floating and all confused was that it most likely got sucked through the dam and was all confused from the turbulence. He said, they'll just float. Here comes Bexley High School football team. So I caught a mud puppy. I'm going to have to add Hellbender back onto my bucket list of things I want to see and hold. Oh, there's a guy shooting the football team with a water gun. This is absolutely amazing. This is pure Americana right here. The streets are lined four or five deep on each side. Kids in the front row in lawn chairs catching candy. Every kind of small business is out here. Veterans. It's still amazing at this point to see World War II veterans. They're getting fewer and fewer every day. And these guys are so tiny now. You just imagine what they once were 70 years ago. I'm in the shade right now under a canopy. There's bloodies. There is uh, orange juice, mimosas, and of course, the Jolly Pirate donuts, which are awesome. I've never heard of them. The box looks like the fish and chips company that was featured in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Speaking of food, after I left that turquoise pond the other day, I was getting ready to go to Earth Fair. I happened to notice the Skyline Chili, so I pulled into the drive-thru and got myself a Coney. It was very nice. I've never had a chili dog in a drive-thru before. Surprisingly, not as messy as you'd think because the cheese sort of melted on top and sealed in all of the chili and onions and goodness. I didn't fish yesterday. I was going to go to a pond down the street. By the time I found it on Google Maps, the wife had already taken our car to Powell. So my fishing gear was in the car. And like I said, today going south of town towards some big lake. Caleb said yesterday there were carp tailing down there. So we're going to go in search of whatever we can today. Uh, I'm not too particular about what it is. Hopefully we'll be on Caleb's boat because then... I can enjoy being on a boat without having to do the work. That's not something I get to do very often. So I think I'm going to put you all down and chill out here in the shade. It's sweltering hot already. There's a nice breeze coming through. And I'm looking forward to a little afternoon 
road trip south of town. Should be fun. It's just about noon. I'm seeing a sign right now entering Deer Creek region. I'm on one lane roads in each direction. A lot of corn out here, narrow roads, a small town with just one main intersection. And I'm really unsure where the kids go sledding in Ohio in the winter, which is another reason why I have such a hard time with directions here because it's so flat and there's no visible landmark. If the wind's not blowing, I can't tell which is east to west. You could spin me around in a circle here and I would be completely lost. I'm out in the boonies, the sticks, it's rural, I'm going over water now. It's a little brown, a little high. I don't know if that's what we're fishing. And I think I just passed Caleb's car. So I'm gonna pull a Yui right now and we're gonna go and look for some fish. So it looks like that is the body of water that we will be fishing today. I missed the exit to get here earlier, so that added 16 extra miles. The closest exit was eight away. And I'm pulling in right now to uh, whatever the spot is where we're gonna go fishing. So we're gonna find out, holy shnikes. This is not a road I wanna take the wife's car on. Whoa, this looks like it's been cluster bombed. And the fact that the ruts in the road are full of water means it probably rained here yesterday. All right, Caleb sees me and he just started driving. So it looks like we're gonna, wow, it's a good thing the wife does not know I am doing this in her car right now. Okay, not too far. Here's a little parking spot. I'm gonna probably have to wet wade this. We'll find out later. All right, here, let's get Caleb on right now. He's getting out of the car. All right, Caleb. We're live right now. Where are we? If you want to give away a spot or not. Oh no, we're uh, we're in Ohio. We're on Deer Creek Wildlife Area, uh, Yankee Town Road. All right, what are we expecting here today? Oh, we got probably the clearest water in the southern half of the state right now. All the streams are up. Been pretty turbid. But uh, check this one out. Yesterday, stood on the bridge about this time. Saw some uh, carp feeding in the shallows. So. Uh, it's a good largemouth, good smallie stream. Uh, should be a good day. Fantastic. All right, let's gear up. My wellies are quite full of water right now. And they're so beat up and old, I look like the old man neighbor from Home Alone. I'm currently along the Olentangy River. It is still a bit high. But I figure I'm here, I might as well try it before I head back. I'll fill you in on fishing with Caleb later in the day. But for now, I figured if I didn't come here and at least try to catch a carp, I would regret it. And I don't want to have regrets in fishing. As I've been mentioning for the last eight years I've been doing this podcast beautiful the sun is out a lot of clouds right now I've got my eight weight my short one with my crazy old reel I've had this reel longer than I've been with my wife the water's actually extremely clear right now so I'm a little confident if I get up on a bridge and look down I might be able to find some fish I'm gonna putz around here for about the next 30 minutes and then I have to head back to the house and make pad thai for dinner. And if I get success here, I probably will just head back sooner. I only need to see, maybe cast to one fish and I'll be happy. All right, I'm gonna tag one of the signs here with TPFR stickers. It's beautiful though, there's wildflowers all along this stream. I am going to jump down into the brush now and again, look, it's a whole pasture of clitoria. All right, let's hope I don't break my ankles. I am going in. Ooh. 
know my back's always been hurting me. I have been seeing a chiropractor for it. So I can actually jump off four-foot walls like that these days and not be in extreme pain. There's every wildflower you can imagine down here. It's black-eyed Susans. There are aspen trees everywhere. Purple flowers, white flowers. I'm going to watch out for that tree. It's got thorns on it. All right, so let's hope there's no ticks as I bushwhack through here. Today would have been a great day to have had my machete on me. There's a blue heron down here. Got about 10 inches of visibility. All right, I'm cutting y'all off now. I'm in the water. Yeah, so that sucked. The water's actually low. The visibility is horrible. The angle of the sun is across from me and there are massive afternoon clouds right now. So everything was against me for carp fishing, the Olentangy. I got a shot at two buffalo in a couple inches of water, but they saw me. And then later I was dragging my fly through the water and poked up a minnow or something. But anyway, that sums up what I've been looking forward to since last year, which was sight casting to carp in skinny water, not too far from my in-laws, a short drive. I really need to start doing some more research and find spots back home that are like this because right now I only like catching big fish that's why I have my eight weight with me and I like catching carp so I'm gonna have to combine those two things and figure out how to replicate this back home so back to the house I go I've got to go make some pad thai for the whole family and then we're going to just chill out and enjoy the sound of fireworks in the distance. So July 4th is three quarters of the way over. I'm going to roll back to Bexley. Well, I'm back in Bexley. It's 6.02 p.m. I arrived down to meet Caleb around noon. That's when you heard us discussing the fishing situations. We suited up in the parking lot, which just basically meant... I took off my shorts and put on my quick dry zip off pants and slid into some wool socks, tucked my pants into them, didn't know if there'd be ticks or critters, etc. And then slid on my nasty old wellies, which you heard earlier. They're now in front of me on the porch, drying out in the slight breeze. You're probably going to hear some firecrackers. Now, this is where I would make some joke about Joe Dirt, but I don't remember all of the names of the fireworks in that movie. We pull into that little spot, and I string up my eight weight, and I put on... I guess I already have a frog on there, so I didn't string it up. It was ready to go. Grab the rod, grab a handful of flies. I grabbed some snallygasters, gutless frogs, reapers, a couple of clousers, and circus peanuts. At this point, my fly selections are getting smaller using the flies I have found to be most effective in the past years. If you were to look at my large fly box right now, there's maybe six or seven patterns total in it. And that big cliff's bugger barn. I know it works. And I carry more flies than we need. I also carry some pretty big stuff that most of my clients my clients, cannot throw, being novices. It is a pleasure when I get a client that is willing to throw something big. And today was the day I got to throw some of those flies. So I was pretty excited. So we start off in the slow water. It looks like the Potomac. If the Potomac was 30 to 40 feet across, 10 inches deep, maybe you could compare this stream to Goose Creek or Rock Creek back in D.C. area for those local listeners. 
it's a pretty small stream. I mean, we could walk across it in spots and not even get our ankles wet. Start off with the gutless frog, nothing. We move upstream, so the entire time now we're going to go from upstream into basic braided channels. Apparently we're fishing along the largest inland island in the entire state of Ohio. And there are massive log jams and dogleg turns and carved out and deposited on the opposite bank bends. Just every type of water you can imagine. Riffles, long, uh, what Caleb called glades, slow water, uh, pocket water, random giant boulders in the middle where fish could hide in front and behind. It's pretty cool to have that many types of water in one stretch. Eventually I take off my frog because we're in kind of smaller water. Not really a place I can fish a frog. And I put on the crayfish colored reaper that I grabbed out of the car. I actually went back to get that. We walked in and Caleb pulled up a huge orangey brown crayfish claw. And he's like, damn, look at that. And I said, excuse me, I'm going back to my car. And I came back. That's what I tied on. Third or fourth cast, I hooked into a smallmouth. I'd probably put it at at least a pound. thing was huge. And it was right under our toes, exactly where a fish should be, which is in a massive root ball from an erosioned out tree on the bank. And the water carved up against it and made it deep and slow. And I just blew the hook set. I'm using a short eight weight in there. Perfect. I don't know why. I couldn't set the hook on this one. I didn't really see the fish until right at the end anyway. It wasn't a, a tactile hook set by feel. It was visual. I actually had to see the fish come up and chomp on it. We can fish upstream again. I'm hooked into uh, the gutless frog. I get a couple pops, lose one smallmouth on the surface. And just alternate back and forth between the clouser, reaper, frog, circus peanut. And at this point, Caleb assures me there's no copperheads that live in this area. And when it comes to wildlife in Ohio, I'm going to put my money on, on Caleb. The dude knows a lot about this area. We had a whole discussion today just about pollination of monarch butterflies that need to come back to Ohio. I am walking through knee-deep poison ivy at points, so I quickly jump in, or if the water is very shallow, I go purposely deep just to get the oil off me. The last thing I want is to get in the car for the wife to get poison ivy on her, or for me to bring it in the house and get it on someone else, or for me in general just to get poison ivy. This is the kind of day you wish you had waders on. So no snakes. There's uh, no Helgramites in the stream either, Caleb tells me. I only find some Betas and some Hydropsyche Caddis. A lot of snails and, of course, the freshwater mussels. Caleb said there used to be 120, 150 plus species of freshwater mussel in Ohio, which is pretty crazy. These things were enormous. If you wanted to, you could put this on a table and serve guacamole out of them. And they're everywhere. You could totally make mother of pearl buttons or artwork or whatever with these things. They're beautiful. I brought one back for the kid. And we're fishing the fishiest looking spots you can imagine. I'm going to post pictures of them on the blog. Cut banks, log jams, just shaded riffly water into a drop off, curved bends. Every kind of water that you would imagine a fish would be in. And nothing. At some point, I get a tug. And it's a gar. And I'm very surprised. I know there are gar in the rivers around here. But to have a gar not attached to a tidal body of water for me is extremely odd. I found that just very, very strange. And before I knew it, that fly... It was out of its mouth. It was on the circusy peanut in the orangish red color. And lose a smallmouth again up against the log jam. It's about a seven incher. Lost it twice on a blue and gray ish clouser. 
And then we're getting towards the top. It's like 2.30, 2.45 now. And I still have to drive back. I still want to hit the Olentangy. And I got to prepare that pad thai for tonight. But luckily, at one point, we stopped in the shade and I texted back to the house. And when I came back, the pad thai noodles were soaking in cold water. And then I am up in a narrow spot with a huge bend and then a cut bank that's just dead slow with deep water. The visibility here, once you go about a foot and a half, you can't see much. So when it's a foot deep, the water's crystal clear. You can see every uh, water bug down there and baby minnows and crayfish and snail. It was swimming pool clear but once you got in the deeper water you couldn't see anything which is why i lost pretty much all the fish before i now tie on a black tailed reaper with pink body and pink skirt chartreuse eyes i think i probably just broken off something we were at the top we're like all right this is pretty much going to be it the fishing has sucked all day did you hear that yeah, my dog's probably inside crapping all over the place or drooling hot, toothless mouth water on someone's lap, which is why I'm outside. I don't have to deal with homie right now. So we're in the spot. It is shaded, mossy covered. There's equisetum also along the streams, banks. And at one point, I tried to go around a log jam, and it turned out to be chest-deep stinging nettle. That could go through a T-shirt and pants. That was quite unpleasant. So I've got this fly on in this perfect water and I throw my fly down there and bring it up doing the vertical jig action which is so much easier with a fat shooting head and a short rod. You just lift the rod and drop it and that heavy shooting head is going to bob in the air and that's going to lift the fly up and then drop it again. It's a very simple technique and out of the depths comes this giant white fish. And I probably dropped the F-bomb and said, what is this thing, a sturgeon? And it, I set the hook on it, and I see its big eye. Looks like a catfish now, but I'm not sure. Granted, I just saw a gar in a creek that's not connected to tidal waters. To me, that does, doesn't make sense. So who knows? Maybe they have some kind of sturgeon here. And he laughs at me and says, no, nah, man, that's a catfish. And we finally land it. The thing is probably a ish it's long it's big he's got a totally funny smile face long whiskers and sure enough that reaper's right there in its mouth so we snap a couple pictures i get a selfie with the fish because we're both smiling and now we have landed the first fish in about three and a half hours take a couple steps up i'm on the other side of the giant tree that has carved out this bend on the left side of me and then right under my feet is the cut bank. And I drop the fly in and land me a smallmouth bass. Nice. Well, I couldn't tell you the last time I caught a smallmouth bass. And it's got the reaper right there in its mouth. So that's two for two. Like all of a sudden, it's, it's a hot streak. Land that fish. Caleb moves upstream above the big cut bank. And he's saying it's pretty much it. The fishing and access is kind of dodgy up above. It's like, all right, man, let me just finish up here. And I drop it in, start jigging, and I catch one of those smallmouth bass. Or I should say high hooked. One of those smallmouth bass you see on the cover of magazines and up on the Great Lakes. This And this was a bronze back. The thing looked like a bull underwater. It was huge, and of course, I blow the hook set after, actually, I don't know, it threw the hook. I can't say it was the hook set. He was on. I was fighting that fish. I had the, the line under my index finger, holding it steady in the current, and it's great having that short rod in those tight corners. So I had the fight on, a couple uh, bulldogs, and he threw the hook. And then we waited that hole out. I lost the fly on the bottom, put on my snallygaster. Had one chase. Then we decided to move out. We were going to go up to a second location. So we walked back along a cornfield. 
and I was really hoping we weren't going to come upon someone's weed grow out there and get shot on July 4th. So eventually we head back from the cornfield back into the water. We try that spot that I hooked the first fish on, on the pumpkiny orange brown reaper. No love. Get on some dirt roads a mile down the road, go to another spot, and again, look super fishy, just nothing in there. We fished for about 10 to 15 minutes. We decided to call it. Walk back up to the parking lot, break down our gear. I decided to leave the wet boots on because I was going to drive to the Olentangy. It hadn't dropped at all today, but like I said earlier, I was here. I had to go check it. What if it was crystal clear and high? I would have been pissed at myself. And that's pretty much where it all ends. So we fished several hours in the most peaceful, placid, small stream. And first time I've had a chance to fish in a long time. And get a chance to bushwhack through all that, which is even more fun. Every bend was a different type of fishing water. We had a good time. I'm in my flip-flops drying out my feet now on the porch. And... Just going to enjoy the evening, start making pad thai for everybody. It was a fun day fishing with Caleb. He definitely put the highlight on the trip. I'll have all these pictures up on the blog and on social media. That's it for now. Yeah, well, I'm back. I didn't think I'd be down here today. I'm on the banks of the Olentangy River in my car. I'm going to set myself up a nine and a half foot six weight. Turns out, Grandma Elsa asked us to stay an extra day because Uncle Mike was in town. And the wife got off on Friday for work. So we're staying. I decided to come down here and try and get a little revenge on this river. I've got the sun at a better angle. It's very few clouds and it is not very windy out here right now. We're going to meet up at a splash park later. I'm going to try and go to Thurman Place and get a Thurman Burger for lunch. But I figure, you know what? Might as well give it another shot while we're here. If I had known we were staying... Would have dried out my socks and my boots a little bit better overnight. I'm going to string up. I'm going to go with the clear floating line. A whole bunch of flies. I'm going to walk down there. So uh, let's see how this mulligan day is going to go. All right, I'm on a bridge. And I'm running down to the river. Walked up on the bridge looking for carp and lo and behold right freaking there under me it's about a six pound carp mudding and now I got to figure out how to get down here going over a wall yeah all right Whew. this is what fly fishing to me is all about Alright, you can probably hear I'm in the bushes along the edge. Alright, it's time to catch a fish. Of course, down here the visibility sucks. I can't see Jack. But I see him. He's right in front of me. Hold still. Just like that. That fish is in the dark mud where I can't see him. So I'm going to Turn you off and focus on this fish. Well, after I blew the hook set on that fish, I walked downstream and pretty much same as yesterday, low water. Once you get out about 10 feet from the bank, all visibility is gone. Not the easiest to find fish. I managed to miss the hook set on two more carp. 
which was unfortunate. I did not see any other fish before I got down to a spot that I just deemed was not a good spot for me to be waiting on the shoreline. It just looked a little scary. So I fished that whole stretch, maybe about an hour or so, and decided to call it and went up to Mad River Outfitters. I was able to purchase a brown, I guess it's called seal brown calf tail. Picked up some more dubbing while I was there and I got a pack of crystal flash so we can do Snow White Damsels at Beer Tie. Hung out there to talk to uh, Ryan Ratliff a bit and went over to the liquor store next door where if you remember back to the podcast from Somerset when I was with Andrew from Canada, he had me sample Nika coffee grain whiskey. That stuff looks amazing in the bottle back home where it's $80 a bottle. Happens to be $55 a bottle here. Thus, I picked up a bottle of that, got the wife's Aperol, and got my mother-in-law some Frambois. She's never had Frambois before. So I got a bottle of that for tonight, and then noticed they have Kamchatka brand vodka for $12 a jug. That's about as close as Kamchatka I'm ever going to get. I did not buy it. Then I went down to Bicentennial Park, hung out with the family while the kids all played there in the squirt park. Now I'm back down lower on the Olentangy looking for a spot to climb down. I don't think it's going to happen here. I'm at Confluence Park. And the water's narrow, so it's deeper and faster. I'm not seeing any fish. There's a soft-shell turtle that I can see. And you can still hear my boots. The Scioto River is completely discolored here at the confluence. And I'm not seeing any carp. I'm also not really seeing an easy way to get down there. I'm going to have to bushwhack. It's that or get back in the car. And again, this stretch, just massive old bricks down there. So I'm going to grab one of those for making chicken under a brick at some point. I'm just going to get down here somehow, walk the river, look for some fish, go find some food, and then I'm going to pack up for good the second time. Just working my way up and down the river, spending my last day off in a while. Before I go home and make venison meatloaf with some kind of side for this evening's dinner. Pad Thai was pretty good last night. Gotta keep the family fed. We're not eating carp though. I met up with a family from out of town, Vegas specifically, up at the last spot I was fishing. Alright, I'm bushwhacking now, going into the woods here. And they just assumed I was eating the carp. They just looked at me with my gear and said, well, we're from, we don't eat carp. I said, well, what makes you think I'm going to eat the carp? Just because I have a fishing rod does not mean I'm going to be eating the stuff. And they were from Vegas and they were not enjoying the humidity here. All right. I'm just glad there's not the amount of poison ivy that I deal with yesterday. Right, I'm down here now. Some uh, wild monkey flower and some sunflowers down here. All right. I'm on the banks, which looked like they were wet a couple of days ago. <clears throat> we start murking my way upstream. Well, it's uh, 2.15. About two hours since I last checked in. I've walked a couple of miles in wet, waterlogged, wellies that are very heavy. My feet hurt. I got out of the stream and walked up along the shore. There's a nice trail. Olentangy River Trail. So I took that for a while and when I saw a fishy spot, I'd hop the wall and go down and fish. It was pretty barren except for one spot. It's a bit of a 
high tide pond where two carp had gathered, perfectly calm, maybe seven or eight inches deep, two carp were feeding. And about the third cast, I did a drag and drop, managed to get that fly right in front of them, and one of them slurped it in, and watching the fly, not my indicator, I set the hook and blew it, and they swam off. And I followed them, they weren't really spooked, they just swam away. They did not want to eat again. And then the water was just too deep, too fast, zero visibility. I'm actually almost up to where I started this morning. And I have not seen another carp since then. I'm on the opposite side of the river now. I'm walking the Olentangy River Trail, which parallels the river. My plan is to finish up once I get up to a public area and call an Uber, because I do not want to walk back on that trail in this heat. I didn't think I was even going to walk very far at all. Thus, I didn't bring anything to drink. I didn't wear my neck buff. I'm wearing a baseball hat. I should be wearing a bigger hat. So I'm a little dehydrated. This is not the most forgiving landscape that I'm on now. I've not seen another angler or any signs of people. There was sort of a homeless camp set up. No one was home. I would pay somebody $20 for 64 ounce purple Gatorade right now, without a doubt. No doubt in my mind, I would punish that thing right now. Well, I'm done, literally and figuratively. I'm in the shade. What's the temperature now? It's 2.46. My Uber's a couple minutes away. It's the point line. It's like dangerous. I am... Yeah. Oh, my... Oh, that's back home. There's a massive thunderstorm. All right. So I'm looking on Doppler now. Let's get uh, Columbus. 85 degrees, 48% humidity. I really need something to drink and to cool off. There wasn't much except uh, a couple of carp on the way up. There was the big one. You know it's a big carp when they're traveling solo. This one was huge and it, uh, I don't know if I just didn't set the hook or just wasn't interested. But it was mudding, it was going in circles, kind of figure eighting around in a spot. I'm up on the edge. Looking down, sun directly on me now on the other side of the water. It's hard to see. No love. Then I move upstream. I spook one solo carp that's just sitting there. It saw me first. And then I see another one. The only fish I'm seeing are the ones right on the shoreline. And I see one. It doesn't notice me. I go to release my hook from a hook keep. And it spooks. And then I get to maybe another 100 yards. I get to a school of them, and it's Nunya. So I walk up to this bridge. I cut my line. I walk out. I'm calling it. I'm going to Uber back, take off my shirt, blast the AC, and I'm going to go get uh, a burger at the Thurman. Saw it on Late Night with Dave Attell years ago, and I want to go there. And if you ever want to know what it's like going out drinking at night with Dave Attell, Andrew Holt can regale you with stories. It is, um, it's not as fun as you think it would be. It was a, a crazy, a crazy story, but he can tell you that himself. So I'm now gonna look for my Uber. My hat is off, I'm getting the breeze on my body. Whew. Yeah, not prepared for this trip, but it was fun. I'm gonna go and eat and make dinner and probably just drink ice-cold Wegmans cans of club soda that I brought with me. I wouldn't mind an IV right now in a cold air-conditioned room. That would be pleasant. So I can blame most of the lack of hooking up with carp just on me blowing the hook sets in brown water with a brown fly and brown fish. Not easy thing to do. 
I'm gonna sign off now. And he's here now. All right, I gotta go. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Freestone Media.